Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. The Bible says, uh, we're going to be preaching on verse 9, 10, and 11. We'll, we'll pick up at verse number 8. We preached on this last week. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner. But be thou partaker of the affliction of the gospel according to the power of God. Who hath saved us? I've got difficulties. You've got difficulties. I get discouraged. You get discouraged. Life gets tough for me. Life gets tough for you. The kids are fussing one day. The spouse is being unreasonable the next day. Life gets tough. But who hath saved us? God. We got to keep things in perspective. In the midst of all of that stuff, you got to remember, and I've got to remember, that we're saved and we're a child of the King. The Bible says, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling. You know, we're called to live a holy life. And if we don't start living this life out in truth, it's easy to lose sight of who hath saved us. We're called to live holy lives. So we don't lose track of who the Savior is. We don't lose track of who we're living for. What are some of the fruits of not living a holy life? We stop witnessing. We see someone reject the gospel. We think, ah, the enemy's got ground. Ah, we don't have the victory. And we start putting this stuff in our head. And you see, not according to our works. We think that it's our works that you know, we're going to go out and win people and we're going to do this and life's going to be great. And life isn't always great. That doesn't change that we're saved. That doesn't change that we should live a holy life. That doesn't change any of that. Because you and I, on our best day, we'll always blow it. We will. Now, we've got great days and when we were on that high, we should enjoy it. We should love it. We should soak up in it. But let's face it. If it isn't God who hath saved us, we would have no reason to really rejoice. We wouldn't. God, He saves us. He calls us. It's His work. It's His purpose. It's His grace. It's given in Christ Jesus. It says, Who hath saved us and called us. So which is it? Does God call us and we can't do anything about the call of God and He just saves us because it's His calling? Or can man somehow call on the Lord and be able to come to God and say, yeah, I can be saved, God, because I'm able to call on You and it originates with me. And Well, which is it? Is it the Calvinistic view that, look, God either calls you or He doesn't call you, and if He calls you, there's nothing you can do to stop the call? Or is it the Arminius belief that says, 
you've got to call on the Lord. You've got to do something because there's something in you that can call on the Lord. And so somehow there's some goodness in you. Which is it? Well, let's get Romans 10. Romans chapter 10, verse number 12. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, wait, I thought if we're dead in trespasses and sins, there's no way we can call on God. That's man-centeredness. That says that it originates with man and doesn't originate with God. That can't be right. But then we see in the Bible in 2 Timothy 1 verse 9, who hath saved us and hath called us with a holy calling. I thought God does the calling. Which is it? Both. It's both. No man seeks after God unless God first seeks after man. No man can call upon the Lord unless God first calls man. It originates with God. All of it originates with God. How can we accept light? Because God has given light unto every man. It originates with God. It's not man being the center. It's God the center. God the originator. God seeking lost men. And lost men then responding to that invitation. Not because he has some type of good work in him that allows him to save himself. But because he's responding to the light. He's responding to the call. He's responding to the seeking where God first sought us. So who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling? Get Romans chapter 7. Flip over a few verses. The Old Testament, God is an holy God, it says. The New Testament, Romans chapter 7, verse number 12, the Bible says, Wherefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just and good he's a holy god he's got a holy law he's got holy commandments he's got a holy calling hey how about us living a holy life we've got it from god we've got all the tools necessary where do we get our music our love for music from top 40 mtv or do we get it from god's word songs hymns spiritual songs being around God's people. Where does it develop from? Where do we get our, our, our dress codes from? Do we get it from reading God's word, fellowshipping with God's people, or do we get it from what Hollywood is, is doing and wearing and trying to fashion design? God wants us to live a holy life. There's nothing wrong with that. There's something right about it. Everything about God is holy. Did God save us? Is God holy? His law, His commandment, His calling? What should be the natural outflowing of our life? A filthy mouth or a holy mouth? A filthy life or a holy life? That life should have been left in the past. Friends that are dirty and filthy and could care less about God or friends that love God and cherish God. We all have friends. We get saved. We all have friends that aren't saved because we now are a new creature. We're living a new life. 
You don't abandon those friends, but that relationship becomes different. A lot of times they abandon you. You minister to them. You witness to them. You be there for them on a phone call. You be there for them on a lunch date. You schedule some time with them. You schedule a phone call. You send them a text. But you and I both know that relationship does change. And a lot of times, not because of you, but they want to separate, not because you wanting to separate from them. You know, the world makes funny, oh, you believe in separation. Except when they separate from you, they don't see that they believe the same thing. There is a separating when you have different worldviews. We shouldn't forget where we came from, but you mind checking that out, brother? I don't, I don't know if anybody's out there or not. Hebrews chapter 3, let's get that. Hebrews chapter 3. Check it out. The Bible says, Wherefore, holy brethren, Hebrews 3.1, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Live a holy life. Live with a heavenly perspective that's what we're all called to do and then the bible says who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling not according to our works nothing that you and i can do the bible says in hebrews 11 1 now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. Religion can't save you. You can see that. Water baptism can't save you and I. That's something we can see. None of that is evidence of things not seen. I join the church. We see that. I do good works. Yes, the town sees that. We appreciate that. I follow Buddha. I follow Muhammad. They lived a good life. I want to live a good life. Yes, we see that. The town sees that. The world sees that. All those men, all those works, you can see. Watch this. I follow the ways of Christ. I try to live like Christ lives. Yes, we see that. You know there's a Thomas Jefferson Bible? Thomas Jefferson cut out all the stuff about the deity of Christ and all of that. And he kept the stuff about the life of Christ because he thought he lived a good life. You can't get saved by that. You can't get saved by reading the Thomas Jefferson Bible. He cut out the parts of the Bible that he didn't like. You know, like the stuff we need to get to heaven. <laughs> and he kept the stuff that have to do with right living. Because Jesus lived right too, right? So why not just live like Christ? The problem is you won't ever really live like Christ. The other problem is you're not going to impress Christ when you do that. The other problem is it's not the evidence of things not seen. Everybody sees you. 
Everybody sees that and everybody appreciates it. You want an unsaved man living by biblical principles, not lying, stealing, and cheating? Or do you want him living like an unsaved man without biblical principles? We all know the answer. Is that guy saved or not saved? He's not saved. But I'll take an unsaved boss that wants to live by biblical principles over one that doesn't. Anything that you and I can see, it ain't faith. It's not how you get saved. Faith in Jesus Christ and what He did for you. And that's why the Bible says, but according to His own purpose and grace. It's just such a sweet word. Salvation originates with God. Salvation is by God's grace and it always has been by God's grace. What do you mean by that? In the garden, grace. Adam and Eve, they sinned. You know what God could have done? Just wiped them out right there. But what does He do? He shows them grace. Is there consequence for sin? Yes. But is there grace right there in the garden? There is. Well, what do you mean? He didn't zap them. (laughs) Grace. Grace. He provided a covering. God's there. Grace originates with God. And a couple of things to note about this. God's gracious purpose of salvation is not because God needs to. He doesn't need to offer grace, and so therefore He does. Like somebody trying to convince God that man needs a gracious Savior and that man or some committee has to convince God that yes, this is what needs to happen. So God, You need to do this. So God feels the pressure of all the demands and he says, I guess I need to do this. That's not God's. That's not according to God's purpose. And that's not according to God's grace. It's not as if we were damned to hell and we would rot in hell for all eternity. And because of that, somehow God's glory would in some way be diminished Because He created us and now we're damned and rotting for eternity. And so He feels that He just needs to offer grace. That isn't. That's not God's grace. That's not the purpose of God's gracious plan of salvation. And number two, it isn't because God was somehow moved or motivated or stirred by some outside source or by mankind. Do our kids get lazy sometimes? They do. They need some motivation from mom and dad. Do we get lazy sometimes? Yes. We need some motivation. You know, the wife kicks you out of bed. Come on, get up and go to work. We know. We we all have these moments where we need a little motivation. 
Um, we saw in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, we see you know, getting stirred up. We need that as brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm going to be down in the dumps one week. You're going to have to encourage me. You're going to be down in the dumps another week. We're going to have to encourage you. You ever get in your ungrateful mode? You know, like when you're trying to buy a, build a house and nothing's going right. And <laughs> you, just, you ever get in those modes? Yeah, boy. You need to be motivated to just put it, dial it back a few degrees there, fella. Not God. He doesn't need any outside stimulus. God doesn't need any coaxing at all. God does not need to be stirred up by men. A ship wrecks. The rescue is very dangerous. The rescue crew decides we're going to hold off. The town's in an uproar. They hold a meeting. They convince the town. They get the popular vote. The rescue committee's heart is touched. And they go and they rescue. And they were stirred up and they were motivated by an outside stimulus. Another crew gets wrecked and right away, immediately, what happens? That rescue crew, all their hearts are stirred immediately. No matter the danger, no matter the peril, they're going in and they're trying to save. One is motivated by an outside stimulus, one is not. You have a child that goes missing and you offer a reward. And there'll be bounty hunters. There'll be people that are going to try to find that child, find that missing woman, try and find that missing man because there's a reward, which is an outside stimulus that affects them to be moved to action. We lose a little boy or a little girl. That mom's gone. She's saddling up, holstering up, and she's going after whoever it is that she needs to go after. And dad's doing the same thing because they don't need to be stirred up. They don't need to be motivated by any outside source. God isn't motivated by any outside source to offer grace. It originates with God. It's who God is. He needs no impulse. Grace is the character of God. He acts according to his own purpose. And his own grace. Not by any outside influence from man, angel, nothing. And then the Bible says, which was given us in Christ Jesus. So why would you want to live for anybody else? I did. Uh, we all did stupid stuff. Why would you want to live like a, a rock and roll star? Why would you want to idle your life after some... Uh, sports athlete why would you want to live like the hollywood stars live why would you want to read that stuff why would you want why after you're saved why that question boggles my mind people get saved why are you still living like you live did you get saved or not yeah well aren't you thankful aren't you grateful don't you want to live for god i don't know i got saved i kept Wanting to learn more, wanting to learn more, wanting to learn more. 
And the more I started learning, the more I started figuring, why would God want to save me? And it reminded me, wow. I really was a bad sinner. <laughs> you know, you get saved because you know you're a sinner, aren't we all? <laughs> but then you start reading and studying the Bible and you get under some teaching and all that and then you realize, oh wait, that was wrong? Because <laughs> God starts working in your heart and you start doing things different. He starts cleaning your life up. Before the world began, this isn't eternity, it's the world system that sits upon the earth. When we get to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 10, the Bible says, Now, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life. He abolished death by his death on an old rugged cross. He brought life by laying down his own life. Let's get over to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse number 17. Therefore doth my Father love me because... I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. That's the power of God. We saw that in a few verses earlier uh, in, in, first, in 2 Timothy chapter number 1. We see it right here in John 10. God is a powerful God. He's a risen Savior. That, my friends, is the gospel. No risen Savior, no gospel. No risen Savior, no good news. No risen Savior, nothing to get excited about. Because everybody else is dead. And they're going to stay dead. That means Hare Krishna, dead. Muhammad, dead. Vishnu, dead. They're all dead. And they're not coming back except one man who's 100% God who rose from the dead and he's alive, seated at the right hand of the Father and he wants to seek and save that which is lost. That's the gospel. What makes Christianity different than any single religion in the whole entire world? Two things. Nothing that man can do can save himself. And any religion that rears its ugly head and has any hint of mankind doing anything to save himself, false religion. That means praying beads can't get you to heaven. Doing sacraments can't get you to heaven. Attending a Baptist church can't get you to heaven. And you know what the second thing is that distinguishes true biblical Christianity from any other religion in the world? A resurrected Savior. Nothing else offers that. And those two things combined is the two distinguishing marks 
Anytime you and I talk to anybody, if you see any good works or you see no risen Savior, it's false. It is. He rose from the dead. And let's get back to 2 Timothy. Who hath abolished death and hath brought life. Jesus Christ offers you life. He offers it more abundantly. Death didn't defeat Him. He defeated death. And you can have eternal life. Anybody can have eternal life. But that it can only get it through the Savior, Jesus Christ. Everybody loves exclusivity until it comes to Jesus Christ. Did you know you, the only... You can only get this phone at this store during this sale time. And we're the only store that has it. Whoa! And people just flock to that because they love exclusivity. They love it. If you can't have it, if they can't have it, but you can have it, they love it. The exclusivity of the gospel is the only thing that offends mankind. They're about exclusivity somewhere else. Yeah, we're building a log home. We use pine and uh, we use hemlock and we use... And then some guy says, yeah, I use cedar. Nobody else uses cedar. See? This is an exclusive home. And people love it. Because it's exclusive. That's at least how the company sold it to me. <laughs> it's cedar. We don't have to kiln dry it. Do you kiln dry your do you kiln dry your logs? Well, that was a dumb question for me to ask a cedar company. <laughs> no, dummy. <laughs> we, it's cedar. The moisture content's different. And, you know, they go through the whole thing and, you know, they, they, oh yeah, exclusivity. Now, ladies, just try it. Go ahead and go, go to Amazon and buy some. And the next thing you know, you're going to be knee deep in three hours of reading reviews because you're looking for the exclusive one that has all positive reviews because that's the one you want. Exclusivity works. People love it. People want it. People search out for it. Except when it comes to the exclusivity of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they want to have life. They want to enjoy life here on earth. They want to enjoy life after they leave. But they got something in their head that doesn't line up with the Bible. They want it without Jesus Christ. And they can't have it. They can't have it. He offers life. That's why the Bible says in John 17, 3, and this is life eternal. That they might know thee, the only true God. People worship something and it's false. And Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent.
And then the Bible says, But now, made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life, and watch it, and immortality to light through the gospel. Through the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, please. This is an excellent chapter of Scripture to go to when you're witnessing. We're going to look at verse number 51. 1551. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. That's a good verse for the nursery workers. <laughs> in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last Trump, that's not Donald Trump, by the way. He's going to be on Fox News sounding something off tonight and tomorrow, but that's not the Trump we're talking about. But you do, you do got to love it. No, you sit down. You're fake news. I mean, you just got to love those. Uh, For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on, look at it, immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of our Lord, of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain of the Lord. He gave us life. He abolished death, immortality, the light through the gospel. How are you going to be steadfast? How are you going to be unmovable? How are you going to abound in the work of the Lord? How are you going to know your labor is not in vain? Death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? God has given us the victory. There's no, way, there's no reason for us to be on the retreat. We should be on the, van, the advance. The gospel. The gospel. You want to give somebody some light? Find it in the gospel. You want to get somebody out of the darkness of their miserable life? Give them the gospel. John 3, 9. John 3, 19. Why is evil always dark? It's portrayed as black. Goth. It's always black. Why are the lights always out at the bar? Why are the lights always dimmed at the club? John chapter 3, verse 19. And this is the condemnation. 
that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. People don't want the light of the gospel shining on their sin. And the light of the gospel exposes mankind for who they are. You can sneak away in a little corner, hidden. But as soon as that flashlight signs on you, whoa, 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 whoa. Teenagers and young people can sneak away at a club and they can go in and everything can be dark. Just lights dim enough so you don't walk into somebody and you feel as though nobody can see you until the lights get flicked on. And it's, oh, whoa, wait a minute. I'm, I'm happy. I should... That's the gospel. Whoa. It shines into man's dark black heart. And it can bring them alive. It's the only thing that can. All right, we'll wrap up with this. 2 Timothy chapter number 1, verse 11. The Bible says, Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. All right, so let's take this. A preacher. You know what a preacher does? He makes Bible truth known. A preacher compels others to think about what God says in His Word because... They might not think about them without the compelling of a preacher. And that's why God gave us teachers and preachers and, and, and all that. To get stirred up. To be compelled to, let's look, look through this in God's filter. There's a lot of false preachers that don't want to go to God's Word. Turn on the TV. You really want to get mixed up, go buy prophecy books. Everybody's got some deal to offer you. Everybody wants to read the last book of the Bible. Why don't you just start in the first book? <laughs> preacher. I want to be a good preacher. I want other preachers to be good preachers. I want our church to be full with men that can preach. I want them to learn it in Sunday school when they're young so that they can be involved and know it's not hard to preach the gospel. It isn't. All right, now, and an apostle. So here's what you can be. Gentlemen, we can be preachers. Ladies and gentlemen, we could be teachers. Ladies can teach, okay? Just not an official assembly on Sunday service. We have an official church service. Um, the Bible calls for male leadership, male preaching, and teaching from the pulpit. That doesn't mean women can't teach. You can teach children, teach Sunday school, you can have a women's group, you can teach uh, a ladies' conference, who know, you know, the ladies' jubilee, whatever they call them. That's great. Go have a good time. Have a blast. We just want to put it in context. But here's what neither of us, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, here's what we can't be. We can't be an apostle. We're not eyewitnesses to the resurrection. We're not, we didn't walk around with Jesus Christ. So we can't be an apostle. All right, we got that last thing we're going to tie it up with. And then the Bible says, 
and a teacher of the Gentiles. We will run three verses and then we will close. Let's get Acts chapter 9. Romans chapter 11. And Ephesians chapter number 3. Acts 9, Romans 11, and Ephesians chapter number 3. Acts num number 9, verse number 15. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. So Paul, a teacher of the Gentiles, it was not at the exclusion of the Jews, but it's primarily a teacher of the Gentiles. Romans chapter 11. Verse number 13, for I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. All right, Paul was called to be a teacher of the Gentiles. Not to exclude Jews, but let's run one more verse. We see God is turning his direction to uh, the church. He's going to come back and deal with Israel. We talked about that in our Sunday school lesson. No reason to get into that now, but Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 8. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, in Christ, there's neither, we're not Jews or Gentiles. We're in the church age. We all know that, right? We get into Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter. If you're black, white, yellow, Jew, Greek, Gentile, it, none of that matters. We're in Christ. All right, so Paul says, he wraps that up. He says, I'm a teacher of the Gentiles. So why don't we wrap up? Are you saved? Here's what we can glean from this morning's Scripture passages. Wrap up our key points. One. Let's live a holy life. Let's make that a point, a daily point. How do we do that? A few ways. Number one, remember that our salvation was according to His work. Let's not lose sight of that. That'll help us live for Him. Remember that He defeated death. We can. Remember that He won the victory for us. No matter how many st stickers you guys get for your scripture memory and how many little prizes that you're able to pull out of the, the, the treasure chest, you can't win the victory. You might get a first prize medal, you might get a first prize ribbon, but the victory for salvation is won by Jesus Christ. He defeated death for us. Remember that He's given us eternal life. And with all of that in remembrance, let's get after preaching and teaching the gospel 
to a lost and a dying world. Would you bow with me, please? Father, Lord, thank you. You've abolished death. You've given us life. You've given it more abundantly. You, we thank you, Lord, for your grace. We thank you, Lord, for your character. You don't need to be stirred up or compelled. Your grace is part of who you are and your character. Thank you, Lord, for loving us and sending your son to die for our sins. Help us to live holy. Help us to get after witnessing to the lost. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church, where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.